One thing you can take to heart, new entrepreneur, is that 99.99% of what we do every single day is autopilot. Our brain is not available. So we don't have to feel bad for people resisting change. We don't have to feel bad that learning is hard or it's this developing the habit for going to the gym more often. It is literally the brain doing what it's supposed to. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Margie Olson. Today we're digging into what it takes to build a high-performing real estate business. We talk about the systems, the people, and what you need to do and who you need to become as a leader to build the highest performing business that you can. A lot of listeners to this show who want to build their own real estate businesses or who are in that process have leadership experience from the corporate world, but you probably didn't build the ship that you're starting from. You didn't build the corporation where you got your original experience. But breaking into the real estate space, building your own real estate business, you are starting from nothing and building the ship from scratch. And today we're arming you with the knowledge of what it takes to build a successful team, a successful business and systems and culture, everything around building a successful company that will enable you to grow and help you have to focus on the big picture things, help you focus on the profitability of your business and what's most important to you in building wealth with real estate. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor. I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. If you'd like to learn more about potentially partnering with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com or click the link in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Now, let's get with Margie. Margie, thank you for joining us today. I'm looking forward to talking leadership and how we can build businesses around leading others and building teams within our businesses. For our listeners out there who don't know about you and your background, can you tell us about what you do and how you help people with your business? Sure. So I am a corporate America refugee. I spent several decades in corporate America. When I was young, I wanted to make the world a better place. And when I became an adult and started working in companies of all sizes and all industries, the issues were similar. And that was fascinating to me. I'm not a take apart the toaster person or look up under the hood, but I wanted to understand organizations. So after I earned an undergraduate and then a master's, I went back to school later and got a doctorate in organization development to understand how organizations work. And my dissertation topic was almost what the heck, because at that point, after four years of coursework, I knew that we had known what we know about leadership and teams. We'd known it for decades, the art and science of it. We had it down. The books that you can buy when you listen to other experts on podcasts, they're basing it on some of the same principles. So then what is happening with organizations? And I became very passionate to go on a, a journey of discovery, did my research around, okay, then what really does make it doable for leaders to develop their leadership and to lead their teams? And once I uncovered some of the tips and tricks and the reality, then I really became passionate and committed to going around and sharing the information because so many leaders don't realize they're not the only ones. They think, oh, I didn't come up through this you know, journey of becoming a leader, so I started my business a different way, or I'm not, this is not the kind of leader that I, that I am, so I don't do it well, but others do. No, everyone is in the same boat. And most leaders, even if they're not 
talking about it openly, even if they don't share it as readily as they share maybe some other even more personal details, they're not talking about it because they think they're the only ones, but most are struggling with how to do it. And I'm on a mission now to bring that to organizations because it is doable and you want to do it in the way that helps you. I love that. So a lot of our listeners out there, for the ones who want to go build their own real estate businesses, are coming from a corporate background where they joined a company and maybe they're performing well and getting into leadership roles in those companies. But when they get into real estate, they find that there's a lot they don't know because while they were a leader in the corporate world, they didn't build the boat, right? They didn't build the framework. They were operating within an existing system. Whereas when they build their real estate business, they're starting from a bit of a blank slate. So I'd like to first start with, you know, making that shift for those that are kind of moving from a, a framework of like corporate leadership, if you will, and building their own thing. What are the biggest things that like, they don't know, the biggest blind spots? Well, some of what they don't know, number one, is that the culture is like the water for the fish. You may come out of it thinking, oh, it was excellent, A, B, and C. But then you might find when you have perspective and something to compare it to, Everybody was just on autopilot, using their habits and doing things in ways that turn out like this. One, nobody likes any of the meetings and everybody has too many. Two, people are gossiping and complaining, even on leadership teams where these are high-powered individuals, very smart, talented, experienced, known in their fields, and they come together and the leader feels like it's preschool on the playground. I'm, I've got people coming to me to solve their problems instead of working together. Three, People are leading their teams to row in different directions, and it gets lost in the sexiness of the market that we're in or the, oh, it's so complicated, or look at the world that we're in now, global supply chain and remote work versus in-person, and it's all a boatload of excuses for your culture is not what you need it to be or want it to be, and you're actually not sure how to change it. And you might hear that culture is really hard to change. That's true, but not because it just literally always only will work by itself, but because you haven't, didn't even have the knowledge to put the building blocks in place to set up leadership and teams. So these entrepreneurs who are starting their own businesses, in some ways, if they can start from the ground up in a way that is much different than if they had tried to move around in that corporation they were in and grow much higher performance in a pool where people are not doing that. I developed Top Team Accelerator, which is sequenced, starting with building the team into a cohesive group. We know how to do that. This is not rocket science. And when I introduce it to leaders and we work together, I don't tell them anything they haven't heard, which is interesting to them because they wonder then why. It's all about the execution. And so one thing you can take to heart, new entrepreneur, is that 99.99% of what we do every single day is autopilot. Our brain is not available. So we don't have to feel bad for people resisting change. We don't have to feel bad that learning is hard or it's this developing the habit for going to the gym more often. It is literally the brain doing what it's supposed to. And so we know now so that those are all habits. You develop habits and the brain is much happier. So if you want to be a better leader, it seems weird, but you have to change your habits. So you'd put in place the building blocks for what we know about how to be a leader and how to lead a high-performing team. And then you work at changing those habits. And when you have things like meetings that everybody hates, 
or people gossiping and complaining. Underneath that, what's contributing to that is causing you a lot of other issues. So when you have an opportunity to set it up differently, blank canvas, or you've only been in business for a few years, you have an absolute easier time of switching channels and making it better because the habits are much more changeable. So let's talk about, I hate to say ideal corporate culture, company culture to aim for, because there's probably not one optimal solution here, but you know, there's probably a a spectrum of of positive solutions to the culture and, and setting it up in that way. But you know, if we're aiming at the destination of having a constructive and profitable company culture, then you know, where should we kind of point our sales? What should we be thinking about as we build the culture constructively? So it starts at the top. So I came up and, and discovered that my strengths were very all over the place, big picture. I always rejected linear top down. But there are some few key places where top down is everything, and that is um, the leadership structure. I, as the leader at the top of the corporation, I own everything that happens after that. And so we can't empower people to lead with me. We can empower people to lead their part. And so when I, as the leader, am really clear about who we are and what my goals are to get us there this year, let's say, and what are the current priorities based on the environment we're in and maybe the market, some of our unique challenges or opportunities within the company, and then who is on the team? What are the eight divisions reporting to me? Or if I'm a new entrepreneur and I've got a smaller company, let's say it's 100 people or even 10 people, what are the three or four different areas of the company that report up into me? Each of them need to row in my direction. And so when you have, when people say it's hard to hold people accountable, you can't go after accountability first. When we say people are resistant or they're not willing, they have their own agenda. They're being political. You don't go after their agenda. You don't go after being political. What you go after is putting in place clarity about I'm the leader. These are my goals. This is my company. This is what we're working on. Let's say it's a three-person leadership team because you got three different areas of the company. I hired each of you. One person A has this team, and this is where you fit into my goals. Person B, same, person C. And eventually, we get to the point where those three and me, where we together can recite each other's team's situation. Let's say they're in sales. Then they're not the right person on the bus, or they don't have the right position. I wish it was more complicated than that. And then, for example, in Top Team Accelerator, we have two, four modules, pillars, and we do them in sequence. So for example, we want these people in that leadership team to trust each other, but we never go after trust. We don't go on to an offsite to develop trust. We put in place role clarity and we put in place, we do some assessments and we talk about behaviors. Your leaders, these leaders starting these businesses and running these businesses and pursuing passive wealth and being in the real estate markets, they need to be able to have real conversations with each other. They should have metrics around behaviors the way you have metrics around virtually everything else. And you don't want to have 100 metrics. You don't pull a dashboard together and then say, this is how we know how our company is doing. And there's 50 different items on there. Look how special we are. Look how smart we are that we pulled these metrics in. No, you want 10. And two of them better be about behavior. Because how do you run your company based on how we truly behave with one another if we're not talking about it openly? And the last thing I'll say, there can't be undiscussables. 
We've learned in corporations, organizations, nonprofits, government, we've learned it's normal to not be open. It's normal to have undiscussables. This is just how it works. It's very complex. You have all these people together. No, it's the opposite. If you have undiscussables, well, A, they're discussing it behind the scenes anyway, but B, you're missing it. So these big issues that we have now, supply chain, workforce, working from home, being in the office, what is happening in the real estate market, interest rates, all of those things, my particular company doesn't even have the bandwidth or the creativity to go after those because I'm so busy putting out those same darn fires. The same problems come up over and over again. Our meetings are still terrible. We haven't fixed them and everybody doesn't even like them and everybody says there's nothing we can do about it. When you fix your meetings, when you are much clearer about the roles and who's who and who's do, supposed to be doing what, and you get your metrics so that people can recite them off the top of their head because there's 10 and they can tell you any given week how those are going, you have just freed up time, energy, and space to go away from the day-to-day. -day. It will operate well. And now you can go after a strategy that you haven't been able to, or you can fix your workforce issues, or you can talk about the market. You have people in your organization who have ideas and styles and the way they show up that can solve some of these things, but you don't know it because you all don't take that time. And I'm not saying you can solve it for the U.S. or solve it for the globe. I'm saying you actually can make it better for yourselves when you can free up time, energy, and space, mental energy and go off and talk strategically. And so fixing your meetings and becoming more cohesive and setting up a corporate culture of your business that you're creating, that culture is behaviors. How's it going? And when we first introduce this, we don't shine the light on any one person and we don't talk about any particular activity. We give everybody a chance to take a fresh start, draw a line in the sand. It's a reset button. Everybody gets a reset button and you'd be surprised how many people step up and are much more successful following a reset. It's a judgment-free zone. It's a concrete, oh, I think I know how to do this because you're kind of setting it up for me and you're clear about what you think and what you want me to do. Then when you have that in place, now you start to see who the real bad apples really are. And they've been able to hide because complexity, drama, politics. They actually create a smokescreen for those low performers or the people who genuinely don't have it in them right now. They're not interested in changing. They're not engaged. This is not what they want to do anyway. They kind of want to be the boss and they're not. Or they're used to not being held accountable and this is very uncomfortable for them. So then you talk about how to move them out of the equation. But once you start talking about, okay, we're dancing, which means we're doing, and we're up in the balcony looking down, and then you can start to develop a couple of metrics that everybody agrees with that relate to behavior. Now you can start talking openly about how important it is to not gossip, how important it is to not complain. Then when it happens, now you have a format for what to do about it. But it's much later. It's after people have a chance to update their database, add some knowledge. Oh, we're not going to be gossiping now. Imagine if I said to you, you really need to not gossip and here's why. You have a better chance of changing that behavior than if all we ever say all the time is, oh, gossip is terrible. People shouldn't do it. We all go, yeah, that's right. But if we really start to talk about it, we don't shine the light on any one person, we kind of come forward together as a group. Then I, as a leader, start to trust you. And then I can pull you aside and say, I heard that you said this, or 
Or we go to an offsite and we say, what are we going to do about the gossip? Because I think we still have it. And we can talk about it openly together. These undiscussables become discussables. Okay. So this this idea of undiscussables is is really interesting. And they're obviously not necessarily lists that are written down in most organizations of here's what we don't talk about. And you know, we just agree upon that. But having like a framework for for what that really means, you mentioned gossip in particular, but what are some other things that you typically come across that you would consider an undiscussable because folks that are in that position might not realize that X issue has de facto become an undiscussable. If you the will. obvious first thing that comes to mind is poor leadership and bad apples. When you have a company that has toxic leaders and talent is running out the door, to move away from them, leaders will actually say out loud, yeah, but I need to keep them because they have this particular expertise. They're so caught up into being the fish in the water, the culture, they don't even realize they have not made a list of all the ways they are suffering because of that, all the money they're losing because of that, all of the other issues that they have that they didn't even think were tangentially related to that. So an undiscussable is how someone treated somebody. Imagine if an undiscussable was certain tax transactions and certain tax deductions. We're just supposed to kind of know what they are and kind of track it and don't really talk about it. When somebody behaves poorly to somebody and we don't talk about it, that behavior continues. That behavior is rewarded. It's reinforced. Now, it's a little awkward. You're not going to be hanging out your dirty laundry and you're not going to be, you're not playing therapist and you're not violating any HR boundaries. But within that, we're not talking to each other openly as humans the way we do at home, the way we do in other partnerships or relationships. I once was purchasing a home and I happened to be in a conference room and the company, the real estate company, didn't realize that I could hear what they were saying. <laughs> and they were swearing at each other because one person was very dishonest. Okay, that person was actually my realtor, so I now know they had been dishonest with me. Fine, whatever, I, I can deal with it. They shouldn't be talking about that when it blew up and it's a big fire and the client is in the building. I'm not talking about that openly. How come they're not identifying who we are as a company? Because guess what? Some companies are fine with not telling everything, not disclosing everything openly. Yeah, they want to be legal, but there's a, a fine line. No, whenever I have a company, we are, honesty is like one of my number one values. My grown kids say, if you, if you lie to our mom, she'll cry. So honesty, very important to me. So we would be discussing that out loud. I'm always talking honesty out loud. Dishonesty, going behind someone's back. Gossiping is a form of dishonesty. Those become undiscussables. But if you set up your culture where, no, those are discussables, we have no tolerance for toxic leadership. If you start there, then it's not an undiscussable. These undiscussables come out of the unwritten rules that keep the culture where it is. But guess what? Guess who suffers from all that cultural habit is disenfranchised groups and people who haven't had power before. And all those people in your company that have better ideas, but you haven't heard from them because they don't have power. So how do we open up those lines to make sure that people who have good ideas can be you know, heard and communicate that? So get your systems and processes in place and fix your meetings. And then my favorite assessment is Lencioni. So the five dysfunctions of a team from decades ago and the advantage from 2012, he has created and produced the working genius assessment. 
It is genius. So in a nutshell, it has six different profiles, working geniuses, and they spell out the acronym widget, wonder, invention, discerning, galvanizing, enablement, and tenacity. And those are literally the sequence of building a business or doing a project or entering a new market or developing a different product or changing the look and feel of your logo or your materials. There is a beginning. Somebody said, hey, is this really what we want? Or how come we don't have that what that competitor has? And then the I person, the inventor says, I have some ideas. And then the discerner, which is one of the things I am, is, I don't think that's going to work. But please don't press me because I don't know why I think that. And then the galvanizers are really good at pulling everybody together. And then enablement is they know how things get done around here. And T is tenacity. They love checking the item off the list. So that right there, when you put in place the awareness of who's at the table and where they fit into that sequence, when you're having a meeting and you've got an inventor and you've already developed and you're now into the execution phase and your inventor keeps saying, yeah, but hey, wait, what about this? You develop a language and a capability and a habit and a culture to say, you know what? Thank you. Sounds great. That's not the phase we're in. Why don't you come to the next meeting? Because that's the project that we're just getting started and we need you. I wish this was rocket science. I wish it was more complicated than that. When people take the assessment and we talk it through, we get emotional. We laugh. We get teary-eyed. It's like being seen for the first time. All of that is happening in your company, no matter what the size, no matter what the market is or what you're going after. You have a sequence of how to get something done. And most of the time, your your lack of success is happening because you're never seeing it all the way through and you don't have the right people leading those portions. Imagine a quote unquote bad apple who is really good at inventing and all they ever do all day is run spreadsheets. That's not good for them and we're missing out on their invention. So once you recognize the working geniuses of the people assembled, you'll pull them in, even if it's not their role or their department. Hey, can we borrow her for three hours? Because we're going to be doing some strategic planning and she's really good at this, that, this invention or discerner piece. That happens all the time now with teams that have done that assessment. We do that in my program, done the assessment and start talking about people's true geniuses. And all of a sudden, low performers become high performance and talents are much more glad to stay because they have found a place, not nirvana, not I have to be happy all day. Oh, you're actually benefiting from my natural skills and abilities. And I really like using them. Nice. Wow. Ton of information right now. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Marjorie, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I am. Great. First one. What is your number one book recommendation? Ooh, Profit First, Mike Michalowicz. That was a life changer, a game changer, and it'll change for everyone. And people should already be doing that. It turns around that formula. Some leaders say that you can't share salaries openly, or you can't have people do, you you have to um, monitor people's hours, or you can't give unlimited paid time off or whatever. I love the companies, the pioneers who have done it differently and are hitting it out of the park. They're crushing their goals. People love to work for them. They would never go back. And it's because they didn't follow one way that everyone should follow. They figured it out for themselves. like that. Question number three, think about Margie at 80 years old. What advice does 80-year-old Margie give to Margie of today? So as an entrepreneur, I did a lot of research, listened to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books. And now that I'm knee deep in the pool, in the middle of it, 
I have days that are harder than other days where I just feel like one step forward, nine steps back. 80-year-old Margie would tell me today, trust, trust that you read the research, you read all of these great people with all of their founders mentality and the laying on the kitchen floor crying and the mortgaging of the house and going through relationship changes. And it's the breadcrumbs looking back. Trust that at 80, I see the breadcrumbs and they're amazing. You love your life and you'll get there. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all this knowledge. If folks want to reach out or get in touch, where can they find you? So I do, I put free resources out every day on LinkedIn, Margie, M-A-R-G-I-E dot O-L-E-S-O-N. And then my website, you can find all kinds of great resources, case studies for all the work has been developed, Top Team Accelerator, how it comes to life is Olson, O-L-E-S-O-N dash consulting.com. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one.